Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. Good to have you with us. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning, Elliott Accountants, and Business Advisors. So there's been quite a bit of business news going on this week. Tyler, why don't we uh, dive into some of the headlines that's catching your attention? Yeah, I would have to say this softwood lumber dispute continues to escalate. Now Canada is going to the World Trade Organization. Um, They're calling these duties that we've been hearing a lot about from the Americans unfair, unwarranted, and deeply troubling. Of course, the Americans, they're making the argument that the fact that uh, Canadian government is allowing producers to log on crown land and giving them unfair subsidies. So this is only going to escalate. We've already had uh, this go towards NAFTA dispute resolution mechanism that was announced earlier this month as well. Where this ends, I I, I don't know. It's getting even more ingrained in, say, this relationship between the United States and Canada. Yeah, and it's certainly, I think, muddied given the NAFTA renegotiations that are going on as well. So there's a lot on the trade front that's been happening. This has been an issue that's been ongoing for quite some time since the agreement expired. We've heard the same complaints uh, waged against Canada by the U.S. many times before. I think we're at Softwood 5 at this point. So yeah, it's hard to see if and when there's an end in sight. And I know we've had guests on our radio show to talk too about how if there's that dispute resolution mechanism in NAFTA, if it's eliminated or if NAFTA is not renewed and um, is completely dissolved, that could pose issues for things like softwood lumber and how disputes like that are uh, regulated and resolved. It is curious, you know, we hear with this kind of protectionism, nationalism going on in the United States, a lot of that energy was directed at, say, Mexico, But it seems as if Canada has been actually uh, much more of the target of the Americans than our partners uh, even further south of the border there, just with regards to our uh, dairy system, Mm -hmm. uh, softwood lumber as well. It's fascinating to see how this has all played out over the last year. Uh, Wine has also been an issue. And then you had that spat between Boeing and Bombardier as well. So it's almost like there isn't an industry that hasn't come under fire. The automobile sector obviously is one that's caught a lot of heat in NAFTA too. Look, I I can see both sides of the arguments here. I I just wonder what it is about Canada. Maybe it's the fact that we live here and we notice it more. Mm -hmm. But if if you look at the stories going out there, it really does seem as if there's a lot more energy being directed towards Canada. And I think a big part of it is just how big of a trading partner Canada and the United States are as well. Yeah, it's – yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. They're a very important trading partner for us. And of course, we're to some extent important for them, but it's a very different trading relationship. They're a very big deal for us north of the border, um, given their sheer size and the size of the market. Yeah. What's catching your eye, Haley? Well, we have Alberta Premier Rachel Notley in Vancouver today to talk about the benefits of pipeline projects and specifically to talk about the benefits of Kinder Morgan's Trans Mountain Pipeline Expansion Project, which has federal approval. It's being stalled to some extent over issues relating to permits. The company claims it has not been able to move forward with construction due to not having the permits it needs to have from the city of Burnaby. This is put to the National Energy Board at this time, but we've certainly seen quite the public relations campaign from the Premier of Alberta, from government officials in Saskatchewan, and also in town today we have Kinder Morgan Canada President Ian Anderson and Natural Resources Minister Jim Carr all talking about pipelines. So it's it's been a really big deal in BC, and we've seen uh, many stakeholders come out and come to BC 
to talk about the project and specifically to throw their support behind it. Well, I'm just fascinated more maybe by the politics of it all, just this NDP split between the BC NDP and the Alberta NDP that's going on here. We even know that the Alberta NDP didn't necessarily even want to help out the BC NDP with regards to the last election campaign back in the spring, just over this very issue, which they obviously have big, big disagreements on. And for each party, it's not politically viable to see the other side of the argument here if you really want to uh, cater to the base. Yeah, no, I think that's fair to say. This certainly played a part in the election we had. Um, and I know the the Alberta NDP, their views on this probably align closer to those of the Liberal government, which did not get reelected. So it's an interesting one. We'll see. I think we're expecting a decision from the National Energy Board related to moving this project forward fairly soon. So we'll be talking about that, I'm sure, on a future podcast. Why don't we take a quick break and come back with some more business news? This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or you can check them out on their website at manningelliott.ca. What else is going on in the world of business? I have to say, I had the opportunity to go to the Naturally Resourceful Conference yesterday. That's Wednesday. November 29th. Uh, fascinating discussion going on. We had uh, some uh, one of uh, the province's top bureaucrats there speaking. That's CJ Ritchie, Assistant Deputy Minister in, oh, this is uh, going to be the ministry that I, I um, mumble out or uh, mess <laughs> up, but uh, Ministry of uh, Jobs, Technology, and Trade. And Anyway, uh, should outlining the very idea that we definitely need to not consider say, technology as this new sort of sector that's going to overtake and replace natural resources. But these are two mutually compatible sorts of sectors here. Just think of the fact that we have the global economy recognizing we need to switch over to more of a low carbon economy. So you need, say, solar power, wind power, etc., low emission vehicles. In order to produce all that, you're going to need metals and materials that are coming from BC mines like copper and zinc. So you can't just say, no, there's no more mining anymore. Where are you going to get the materials necessary for this low carbon economy? And that's where there's a lot of opportunities for different sectors to work with each other. It's not just mm-hmm. uh, saying goodbye to the natural resources sector here. No, we definitely need it. Um, and in terms of Canada's economy, we certainly rely heavily on our natural resources industry. We've heard from the Mining Association of BC on our radio show talking about how they're welcoming partnerships in technology. I think mining companies recognize if there's room for innovation, if there's ways to cut costs, because it can be a capitally intensive oh, yeah. industry. If technology is going to get them there, and if it's going to help with anything from worker safety to being able to extract more ore minerals out of the ground, why not, right? There has been technology used in mining for some time. It's just now it seems like the opportunities and the leaps and bounds that are occurring are are that much more significant. Yeah, it's not uh, the the picks and shovels <laughs> anymore so much. The, the one nope. thing that I, I think it's interesting that Richie did bring up, though, is the whole story of automation. You're kind of alluding to this, how things are becoming more efficient. 
but it is interesting that she pointed out that automation is something that we should keep our eyes on, especially when it comes to driverless vehicles and how that could create short-term job losses for, say, taxi drivers, first responders, bus drivers, etc. It is interesting because we do know that the all three political parties that are sitting in the legislature right now, they promised in their campaigns to bring on ride-hailing services, which could eventually uh, take away some of those jobs there. Uh, and what's come of it? We now are just waiting for another report to come out from the BCNDP in consultation with the taxi industry. So... I don't know. I'm still waiting to see what inevitably happens with this. It just seems inevitable that we will have ride hailing services in the province. I just don't know how it's exactly going to work out here. No, and I'm curious too, because I agree with you, it's hard to imagine that Vancouver and BC are going to be the only jurisdictions without it. So I, I do feel it's coming, but there's many different ways to regulate something like that, whether it's you can have services like Uber at Lyft at the airport or not, like how they're going to protect, say, the taxi industry if they're going to. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered. So it'll be interesting when it comes here for sure. But speaking of automation and labor, we have census data out that shows some interesting labor trends I'd like to highlight. One, and I don't know if I'd like to find myself in this boat, but more older Canadians are choosing to work or being required to work. One in five Canadians age 65 and over chose to work, or as I said, were required to work in 2015, that has almost doubled in two decades. When you're 65, do you want to be working? Well, it really depends, because I think the people that I noticed that live the longest and seem the sharpest later in life, they're the ones that keep working, right? That's true. I mean, I'd love to kick back on like a tropical beach, but I don't know how long that would keep my energy levels up or or keep my brain cells uh, going. So it's yeah. kind of a tough, like, I, I don't know the exact answer just because I, I don't know, you want to live the le- best life possible. And believe me, I, I would love to relax more, but I just don't know if it's necessarily the best thing. I, I don't know. What, yeah. what about you, Haley? I, I, I'm with you there. I mean, even if, if I were to go away for three weeks and sit on a beach, I'd start to get stir crazy oh, yeah. a little bit. And I imagine that's not going to change whether I'm, you know, 30, 50, 65. But, you know, there is a difference too, I guess, between work and say passions, hobbies. So I don't know. Hey, if you can get paid for a passion when you're 65, that doesn't sound too bad for me. I like how we both think that retirement consists of spending 100% of our time at tropical beaches (laughs) as if, you know, all retirees are able to afford that. If only. Uh, Yeah. So, but I, I just know if I maybe look at my parents' friends, a lot of them have retired and they've actually just gone back to work maybe just part time just because they get bored. And yeah. I think that you mentioned it like stir crazy. Like I, I don't know if that, you know, boredom would eventually just uh, overcome me and I'd have to go back just to do something all day. I like keep myself busy and speak to people, a, a human contact. <laughs> yeah, you're out and about yeah. learning about things. Yeah. No, there are definitely a bunch of benefits to it. And certainly not full time work we're talking about. It can be any variety of flex work, part time, a couple hours a week. One of the other interesting trends, fewer men and women ages 25 to 54, worked full-time in 2015. This is something we've talked about too, sort of the shift away from full-time jobs being added to the economy and seeing the rise of part-time or flex work. And the drop was most acute for men. 11% was the decline Ah. uh, between men in 2015 working full-time compared to 2005. That's quite a big jump. Yeah. Uh, a couple factors you could look at, and that's noted in the census report, the, the financial crisis, 
automation is another one. And then again, that general shift to more part-time work. But it's very interesting because that's a big change. And you have to think we're only going to continue to see that shift because there's really been no sign of that increase in part-time work slowing down. Yeah. You want to take a guess at the uh, most common job before we wrap up? Most common job? Most common occupation in 2016. So Hot air balloonist. Ooh, no. Close? <laughs> that's like population of one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who knows? It wasn't actually in the census data, so I shouldn't say that. And I'm sure there's a whole industry. It's retail salesperson. Oh, the yeah. most common job. I believe that. I believe it too, but that's also something Although, that you think is going to change. Uh, yes, I was just going to say that. I, I don't know if, how long that job is for the number one spot. I'd be shocked if in 10 years we're, we're talking about census 2026 and the number one job is retail. But <laughs> hey, I, I'm telling you, wait for hot air balloons to blow up in more uh, ways than one. No. <laughs> God, I don't want to be in a hot air balloon that blows up. <laughs> Heats up maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our podcast this week. This podcast has been brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Tyler, if people want to connect with you and read your stories, where do they go? Yeah, find the stories at BIV.com or else you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Reporton, R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. What about you, Haley? I'm on social media at Haley Wooden. Feel free to reach out. And again, head over to BIV.com for past podcasts, radio shows, and more business news. That's it for our show today. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week.